Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on in the series we're doing on the church, and uh, we didn't get real inventive with the title. We just thought we'd call it the church, and uh, lots of stuff to talk about on the topic. Um, if you'll remember, I, I keep going back to this. We initially started this. I want to make sure that you have this in you, and I know you've heard me say it now if you've been coming week after week, but the church, uh, when you read about the church in the New Testament, it's referring to people. It's either the, the believers um, since, since Jesus, you know, since Pentecost, from then until now, all those believers, or it's a group of people in a specific place, but it's always about people. And so we need to make sure that we have that um, thought in our, in our mindset Otherwise, we tend to make church something that we go to or an event that we do during the middle of the week, and we miss the bigger picture. Um, it's always about people. You're the church. And so you're the church when you're here, and you're the church when you're not here. Um, here, you're the church gathered. Out there, you're still the church. You're the body of Christ. You're just not gathered. Um, but you're still the church. And, and so that's a 24-7 idea. And I think that really impacts the way that we move through life. I think it will significantly change you if you, if you understand deep in your knower that you, the church is an event. It's not a once a week thing. You're the church all the time. You're the body of Christ. And it, and it changes the way that we think about this whole process. So with that in mind, the last few weeks then, I have said that um, since it's about people, it's also about relationships. And that um, we're, it's about our relationship with God. It's about our relationship with the people of God and our relationship with the future people of God. And that, that all these are important part of this whole process of being the church and being a part of the church and what that looks like. And that these relationships are developed in the context of worship, discipleship, fellowship, and mission. And um, that we're developing now these areas as we, as we work together. And, and uh, you'll see over time, hopefully, how as a... Um, as a group that gathers here in this place that we we take this very seriously and we under we we undertake all of these elements to the best of our ability to make them a part of our lives as the church so we're we're very much uh, understand that we need to be a worshiping community that we worship we praise and we pray and that these are very important parts of what we do in our relationship with God we we take as we'll continue on in our discussion today our discipleship very very seriously helping one another along on this journey and encouraging each other and teaching and all of the, the things that discipleship encounters and why we do, you know, as much as we do throughout the week to, to continue to help us grow. We'll, we'll talk about fellowship in the weeks ahead and how important that is. Um, and, and that's in our relationship with one another. And then our mission and, and how we are very much um, mission-minded as well as everything else. And, um, but, but why we do so much outreach and why we do the things we do because we believe we're a missional church that, that we're an interesting church that even though we live you know, in, in America we live in a fascinating part of it that um, we operate much more like a mission than, than in a lot of ways some uh, classic church might uh, in other parts of the country just because of where we're at and what we do and how we do it and the people that we have to minister to and so all these things impact the things that we do and how we do them so we are talking about those things and we're talking right now about discipleship we started last week we looked in the gospel of John last week three verses uh, in John where Jesus talks about what it means to be his disciple and um, if you'll remember we said if you hold to his teaching you're his disciple if you love one another you're his disciple and if you remain in him so that you bear much fruit you're his disciple and we we talked about those things together and what they mean and that was in our last message today I want to look at three verses in Luke. These are the six verses that come up when you 
when you do a big search about what it means to be a disciple. And um, in Luke's presentation, it's, it's less about what we'll do and more about um, the requirements of being a disciple. And that's what Luke puts forth. And I think it's very fascinating as we look at that. So that's our intro. We're moving into the message now. Transition time always has a bad joke. I have a particularly bad joke this week. Here we go. How do you think the unthinkable with an iceberg? Oh, that's classic. Let it hit you. That's comedy gold right there. Iceberg. <laughs> if you don't get it, ask somebody. Scripture reading here on purpose. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's funny. <laughs> Scripture reading is Luke 14, 25 through 33. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me, and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he'll send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Blessed be the word of the Lord. That is a pretty intense passage of Scripture that Luke gives us. And uh, just to kind of set the scene, by this point in Jesus' ministry, he has a large crowd that follows him everywhere he goes. They travel around with him. And yet this crowd was not all disciples. Um, some of them were just kind of following around to check out the miracles that were taking place. It was kind of a, you know, an event to see what was happening. And so they were there just because you know, these things were happening and they wanted to see them and check out what was going on. Some of them were probably just following Jesus around for, you know, the occasional free lunch and free dinner that he would provide. And that was a good thing at that point in time. You know, hang out. They're going to eat. We're going to eat. It's all going to be good. Watch what he does. And so they were hanging around with him for that and just hoping to do that. Some were hanging around with Jesus because they thought he was about to overthrow the Romans and their oppressive ways. And so they were just hanging out, waiting for that to happen. And so they'd sort of go along. But they, they really weren't um, his disciples. They were just sort of part of the crowd. And Jesus begins to teach to, to make it apparent what the difference is of people that are just kind of going along to check these things out and people that really are his disciples. And so um, in those verses, he, he lays out the requirements for being a real disciple. And so the first one is this I want to talk about. And in your notes, it'll be like this. Love God all in. To be his disciple, one of the requirements is that you will love God all in. And whenever I use all in, you know, it's, it's shortcut for now. Most of you know that heart, mind, soul, and strength. Did a whole series on that. That's what I mean by all in. We're going to love God, heart, mind, soul, and strength. Now listen to what Jesus says. This is one of those verses that, that should make you go, hmm. Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. 
Now, when you read that, you will, you, if you, you should think to yourself, well, that doesn't seem to make any sense, Jesus. That's, that seems to go against everything that you've taught and everything that we learn, you know, from the Apostle Paul about loving our, our, you know, our spouses well and, and uh, you know, loving one another and all the things that we're taught and even you, you know, teach us. And that's how they're going to know that we're disciples, how we love one another. And yet it sounds like what you're saying is um, that to be your disciple, I've got to hate all these people that are in my life and um, that doesn't seem to line up. But really what Jesus is doing, now remember the setting and who he's talking to, he's making a pretty in, intense point because these people need to think about what it would mean to really be his disciple, to move from just sort of following around to see what's going on to actually being a, a disciple, a follower, a real follower of Jesus. And so he's making a, a, a point of contrast in the, in the words that he's using. So he's not saying that, that to be his disciple, we actually are going to hate family and friends and, and wives and spouses and children, because that's, that's not what he's saying. Um, he's using this analogy, this, making this point by, by demonstrating that hate is the opposite of love. And, and he's trying to make a point by using something, um, not by using something that would be easy to hate. See, he could say, you know, you need to hate evil, you need to hate the enemy, and we go, yeah, we're in. But he's saying, look, listen, this love that we're talking about following me is, is such a big deal that, that it's, it's like taking the, the, the most understanding, that, you know, the way that we sort of understand love and experience love is through the very people and relationships he's talking about. And he's saying, listen, that's not the standard of love. The, the standard for love is that our love for God has to be the highest love that we understand in life. It's not the same love that we have for families and friends and children, which is pretty intense. It's beyond that. It's above that. It's different than that. And that, that, that has to be a part of our lives to love him. Now, the cool thing about that is as we love him like that, we will love all these other people much better than we can apart from him. You know, one of the gifts of the Spirit is, is the fruit of the Spirit, pardon me, is, is love. It's agape love. That's a God love that we can't manufacture apart from Him. And that's when, when you start to have agape love um, developed in you by the Spirit of God, it changes all of your relationships. And, and so this is, a, this is a significant deal. But that comes as a follower of His and being filled with the Spirit that we even tap into that type of love. We can't experience it otherwise. Other loves that we can get to, but not that one. And that one, um, you know, really sets the, the, the tone for everything else. So, so the idea is that if we're going to be a disciple, to really follow Jesus, we're going to make a decision that, that he comes first, and then out of that, he's going he's to move into everything else. But, but that really is the main thing. It's all about him first. He's first. Going to love God all in, heart, mind, soul, and strength. Still going to love my family, my friends, my neighbors, the people that I can. But, but I understand the difference in the priority is going to love God first and foremost. He's first and foremost. That doesn't mean I get to neglect all these other relationships. It just means that comes first. And then out of that, you know, God's going to move you into those things. So we love Him, heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the first thing about, what. that's the first requirement of being a disciple. He says, you better look at that. Do you really love me all in? Heart, mind, soul, and strength. Second thing, <clears throat> we have to know, and if you've been here, you've heard me say this before, it's not all about me. And that you, you know what I mean, Sue? It's not, it's not all about, I'm not saying it's not all about Pastor Steve. I'm saying it's not all about you listening. It's not all about me. Luke 14, 27, um, Jesus says, And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. He's already taught on this in Luke 9. Jesus said, and he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Now this is a pretty big requirement. What he's saying is, 
that, that sort of the, the biggest obstacle we'll face in, in following Jesus um, is that we all tend to be overly preoccupied with ourselves. Um, this is the human condition. It's part of our na- nature. Um, we, we tend to um, move through this life with everything revolving around us and we look at things that way and we perceive things that way and we, we you know, our, our perspective is, is based on that, that the world revolving around us and so we, we tend to be um, a little overly preoccupied with self and we live in a culture that's extremely preoccupied, preoccupied with self and it impacts us in pretty significant ways for example, I had this thought and I'm going to share this with you like we live in a culture right now where just to make this point we have a whole big thing that's getting bigger all the time. It's called selfies. You guys know what I'm talking about? Selfies. It's the it's like the big thing. Everybody and it, it we got there's there's these you know cameras and everything have been set. Oh yeah, I took some. And and uh, they, they, that's not a bad one. That's pretty good, right? There we go. Now <laughs> on these selfies, so I'm trying to uh, uh, the, the actual that's that I'm going to have next week when you come back, God willing. I had some um, posters made. They'll be here. They're shipped. And we're going to put them on the back wall. And they'll be at two different heights. And they'll actually, they actually say on them, love your neighbor as your selfie. And uh, I hope when people come in, they'll take a selfie. I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm not making fun of it. However, I want you to think about how, how we live in an age when this is even in, uh, a thing. You, you know what I mean? We live in a thing when... Could, I, I, mean, I never... T- and before you had this, did you ever even think about sort of taking a picture of yourself? You never took pictures of yourself. You, you took a picture of another person if you had it. And now there's this whole thing like, like um, I'm going to move upstairs. And, and so if you're up there, grab the camera for a minute. But I want to show you something. And so I have to move a little, all right? So I don't know if you're ready or not, but I'm moving. So anyway, so, so like I, I saw this. Here's the thing now. And this is, this is fairly new. Like, like let's say, Fran, would you stand up for a minute? Just stand up for me. Now, let's say that Fran, not that he's not, but let's say that Fran was a celebrity. In times past, if you, if you encountered a celebrity, you would probably go up to them and say, hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you, all this other stuff. That doesn't happen anymore. Look at pictures. You know what happens when people see a celebrity? They go like this, and they stop, and they start doing this with their cameras to try and get in the picture. It's not, I don't even care about saying hello to you. I just want to show everybody. Boom. And they take a selfie. And, and you can sit down. And, and it fascinates me how things have changed and, and where we're at. And so you see it all the time. Actually, if you, I was looking at, because uh, I looked at pictures of selfies, and that, that happens. People forget. They lose their mind now, and it's just about taking a picture of themselves. It's really, not, not that a celebrity is any big deal, but I'm just trying to illustrate this point. We, this is how preoccupied we are with ourselves. Some people take a lot of selfies. And again, I'm not picking on that. I don't care if you take selfies. Just love your neighbor as your selfie, and we're all good. And, and uh, hold it in context of what's taking place. But here we have this thing, this obstacle of being a disciple is being overly preoccupied with self, and it, and it just kind of bears itself out in Scripture. 2 Timothy 3 1 through 5, this says, Mark this, there'll be terrible times in the last day. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. That that this uh, you know we're sort of rolling into these times where this is what's happened culturally is we are less concerned about God, far more concerned about ourselves and pleasure, and we're we're sort of. We can get lost in that if we're not careful. 
So it's not all about me. Now, I always say this when I say that. It is some about me. You need to know that God cares about you, that God loves you. You were created to want to enjoy life and experience happiness. We know that because that was part of the creation before the fall. So those things aren't inherently sinful. That to experience uh, a happy life is, is part of what's hardwired into you. That's you know, one of the things we desire. There's nothing wrong with it. The balance is if that, if that becomes our, our all-consuming part of life, we'll miss the bigger picture and we'll miss the life that we're called to. All right? So um, the Bible makes it clear, in fact, that we're to love ourselves. Ephesians 5.29. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. Jesus, in, in the summary of the law, Matthew 22.39. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He's assuming a self-love there. Not a sinful love, but a, a measure of love that understands that God's for you and with you and that um, having found real life in Christ, one of the things we do is we love our neighbors is we want them to know this love that we found uh, and that it was found in Christ. It wasn't found in anything else. It's not found anywhere else, but, but this is the idea. And so um, the, the understanding of being a disciple has to be one of the requirements is not all about me. This whole thing is not all about me. I'm not coming because it's, you know, God is just, I want everything, you know, I just want to be blessed all the time, and it's all about you, and I don't ever want to have anything happen, you know, but, but it's like, Lord, I just want to follow you, because I know that's where happiness is, whatever it looks like, in the midst of what we're going through. Here's this, I've got this great, great quote for you from A.W. Tozer, and I, this is a, I, did I put it in a bulletin? I don't know, if, oh, we did, good, because you, you're going to want to meditate on this quote. In every Christian's heart, there's a cross and a throne. And the Christian is on the throne till he puts himself on the cross. If he refuses the cross, he remains on the throne. Perhaps this is at the bottom of the backsliding and worldliness among gospel believers today. We want to be saved, but we insist that Christ do all the dying. No cross for us, no dethronement, no dying. We must remain king within the little kingdom of man's soul and wear our tinsel crown with all the pride of a Caesar. But we doom ourselves to shadows and weakness and spiritual sterility. I love that quote. That'll make you think. In all of our hearts as disciples, there's a throne and there's a cross. You have to put yourself on the cross. If you don't, you're remaining on the throne. And the throne was meant for God, not for you. And so this is part of our deal as a disciple and what it looks like. So, it's not all about me. Point three, it is, however, all about Jesus. All the time. Luke 14, 33. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. So, part of being a disciple is recognizing that everything I have and everything I am belongs to Jesus. One of the things I like to say, and I'd like to take credit for it, but I didn't originate the saying, it's a John Wimber saying, is this. You might have heard me say it. Um, I'm, I'm just change in God's pocket. He can spend me however he wants. And that's a reality for me. I'm just change in his pocket. Um, it's, it's what he wants. Uh, you know, how I do it, whether I go willingly or kicking and screaming, it's really not the issue. It's, I'm, I'm just change in his pocket. He can spend me however he wants. He has purchased me with his blood and, and I'm his, and he can spend me however he wants. And there's something about that understanding, so that everything I have, every, every step, every day, every breath, whatever that looks like, for however long that is, it's all about him anyway, and so the, it might as well be his. Jesus has this neat encounter in Mark 10. Uh, it's known as the rich young ruler. 
And, and in Mark 10, 17, let me read it to you, verse 20 through 22. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. That's a little side thing that we could teach on, but I'm not going to have time. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false to testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. That's a pretty bold statement too, but nonetheless, he thinks he's good there. Jesus looks at him and loved him. He loved him when he said this. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, the idea is that... Um, it's not that to be his disciple you have to take a vow of poverty. That's not what he's talking about at all. The issue is that anything that's on the throne of your heart that isn't Jesus needs to be removed. And Jesus was just telling this guy what, the, what, his, what his blockage was. You really, he said, the guy said, I, I want to follow you. Jesus said, okay, well, you need to do these things. And then, you know, look, this is going to be a stumbling block for you. You're going to have to get rid of your money because you're, you're not going to be able to do both. And the guy couldn't do it. See, Jesus just went right to the heart of the matter. It wasn't about money. Money's not the issue. So if you've got plenty of money and you can follow Jesus, good for you. But, but it's, it's what is it that gets in your way of following Jesus all in. That's the stuff that we have to look at and deal with and, and live with the, the understanding of whatever it is that he wants. It's his. And, and so, you know, these are pretty significant things. All three things that I just told you about are pretty big. Love God all in, first and foremost, highest priority, love of God. It's not all about me. Some people have painted this walkout like it's, you know, and it's, it's not all about you. It's some about you, which is good, but it ain't all about you. And, and it is all about him, and that's pretty significant for us to kind of think about. Because you, you may be thinking, well, it costs a lot to, to be a disciple, and it does. It, it does. Um, but, but I would submit this to you. It costs way more not to be. See, life is found in Him. Real life, full life, abundant life, it's all in Jesus. Whatever it looks like, life is in Him. Apart from Him, it's not real life. It's a, it's a substitute that takes you nowhere. And that's extremely costly, it's particularly in the end. So, so even though it costs to be a disciple, it's, it's worth it. It's always going to be worth it because it's life. It's real life. It's the life you were created for in God. And, and so if you settle for anything other then being a disciple, you miss out on life. It's really that simple. So, you know, people go, oh, it costs a lot. Yeah, it does. It pretty much costs everything, but you gain everything. And then the other option is worse. It's, it's, it's not good at all. You miss out on everything. Trying to find life that you can't possibly find outside of Jesus. So these are some of the things about discipleship that I wanted you to consider. Uh, and uh, now, you know, and, and really go and think about, you know, the three that we talked about last week. Um, and what that looks like, uh, and you know, and how important that is. We got to hold to His teaching. We got to love one another uh, in the process. We got to remain in Him, and what that looks like. And then, you know, today we got to love Him all in. It's not all about me. It's all about Jesus. And and let that kind of resonate with you, because that's where life is found, and that's sort of the the foundation for discipleship and being a disciple, and then helping others to be discipled in the process. But that's good for today, and we'll uh, we'll pick up our discussion again next week. If you're watching by video or on TV, thank you very much for doing that. If you need prayer, go to the website. There's a prayer page. Send us prayer and we will pray for you. Come and visit us when you can. We'd love to see you. And uh, 
God bless you.